Frank Spangler here for the ADRA Insider video podcast. It's always a pleasure for us to share with you uh, some of the exciting things that ADRA Canada is doing around the world to serve people who are living in need. In our last video podcast, you, if you had the opportunity to view that, you will remember that uh, four of us were sitting around this table talking about a trip that Steve Matthews and I went on to visit the project, the Promise Project, in uh, the country of Rwanda. And when we recorded that podcast back in the first week of January, it was our original intent to include not only the Promise Project, but also the Embrace Project in the country of Rwanda. However, there were so many wonderful things to share that the program went just too long for one video podcast, and so we have broken it down into two. And I might also add that the original record date was back in the first week of January of this year, 2020, uh, long before there were any concerns about uh, COVID-19. And so you will see us, uh, four of us, gathered around this table without any concerns of uh, keeping a safe social distance uh, from each other. And uh, so just be assured that uh, the staff of ADRA Canada are uh, following all of the Government of Canada regulations, the Ontario government. And so now I invite you to uh, join us as we jump in to a video podcast that was recorded uh, a few months ago. And uh, we are kind of, you'll notice, kind of be just jumping into the discussion as it moves toward the Embrace Project in the country of Rwanda. So the other project that we're doing in Rwanda is Embrace. So in broad strokes, what are some of the targets of the Embrace project? What is it What is it setting out to accomplish? So the overall outcome is to reduce maternal and newborn child mortality. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's the overarching theme of the project. Um, and there's a couple ways that we have aimed to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like to describe the project as being set up in two streams. We have a health stream and a nutrition stream. Within the health stream of the Embrace project, we would be focusing on a couple of essential items, which would be to increase access to healthcare, to improve the quality of healthcare, and to provide some type of transportation to get to these improved services. Mm -hmm. So the way the project would do that would be in part to construct or augment maternal homes uh, or health centers, mm -hmm. uh, equip them with updated medical equipment. Another way to increase uh, the quality of healthcare would be to train nurses and midwives, mm -hmm. traditional birth attendants, community health volunteers. So there's a lot of training as well as a lot of, you know, construction items that, that really work together to improve the actual quality quality um, at a health center. Mm -hmm. um, but that, of course, is not enough. We need to get the beneficiaries who don't have access to transportation. We need to get them there. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a whole nother piece um, of the project that we're aiming to, to resolve. And one way we've done that in Rwanda actually is to provide ambulances to each of the health centers, um, which has been a very well received by the community. When you say each of the health centers, you don't mean within the entire country, you mean in the region in which we're working. Yeah. Yeah, Embrace in Rwanda is working in a district called Naibihu. Naibihu is actually very uh, high elevated, so it can actually get quite cold there, mm -hmm. uh, which when I was there for my first time, I did not realize <laughs> it was a surprise, that, that I needed a fall slash winter jacket visiting Africa. Hmm. Even though it's at the equator, pretty much. Even though it's, yeah, even though it's pretty much on the equator. But it's a very lush region. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very food secure region. And they're able to have multiple crops there every year um, just due to the elevation and the condensation. Yeah, the first time that I went there, they described this area for me as being the breadbasket hmm. of Rwanda, which was surprising because they also said they chose this region to do the Embrace project because it had the highest incidence of child malnutrition. And so it was a little hard for me to understand how it could be the breadbasket, do three crops a year, lush environment, but have the highest rates of malnutrition for children. Hmm. But they explained to me it was primarily because of a lack of education on nutrition. They believed that if they were feeding their children so that they were full Mm -hmm. every day, that they would be fine. And so they might be feeding only Irish potatoes. They called them Irish potatoes as a difference to sweet potatoes. And maybe a couple times a day filling up the children, but it wasn't providing the nutrition. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the simple things that Embrace was able to bring in is teach families the importance of a good variety of foods. Mm-hmm. That they were already growing, I presume? No, they were, they were mostly crop farmers. Mm-hmm. They were doing it for income. Mm-hmm. I imagine that some of the families were growing some for for their table as well, mm-hmm. but they would only grow the potatoes, mm-hmm. and that's what they would bring home. You know, what you're, you're stating there actually brings to mind one of the families that we visited where when we went there, they said that before Adder showed up, they were only growing two crops. Now they have 25 different crops that they're growing, and their neighbors come to learn from them as to how do we grow these different things. So they had trees, they had you know, avocados and... The tree, tree tomatoes again, and all these different types of crops, but they had a very wide variety, and uh, they had their grandkids were there with them, mm-hmm. and their grandkids looked so healthy. Hmm. It was nice to see that. Because of the the ability to grow so much in this region, there's actually a, a national policy out of the out of the Ministry of Health that dictates certain areas of land, even though it's owned by an individual or a household, is to go towards one entire large crop. So you have many families prior to Adra uh, coming to this region that were only growing one or two crops based on the national policy in the region. So it wasn't until it, Adra Canada came in and say, okay, this is great, but we need to think beyond cash crops. We need to educate you on what type of nutrition you actually need. So we, we did a similar type of model that they did in Promise, which was to introduce kitchen gardens uh, so that they could increase their variety of foods, including, you know, beans and vegetables, things that have iron and magnesium and other nutrients that are needed for not just the children's malnutrition, but for, for adults as well. So, And making it a kitchen garden was very helpful because their fields might actually be two kilometers from their house. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So when it came time to prepare a meal, oh, I can't go all that way to get my, my vegetables. And so having it just so they could step outside their home and harvest the vegetables and cook them was a real good thing. Every time I hear these stories, I turn a little green with envy on the inside because I hate grocery shopping. <laughs> but I don't know how to garden yet. And I would love to have something like that for myself. And I think it's so wonderful that you know we're able to reach out to these people and to teach them to have have those healthy foods right at their fingertips. Maybe Adra can help teach you how to grow your <laughs> own stuff. That's what I hope. I know the <laughs> experts are actually over in the country, yeah. but 
Maybe we could bring back some lessons. And it's so nice that it's organically grown mm. and it's picked and put in the pot. Mm -hmm. That makes it so much more healthy and tasty. I get to do a lot of the transcriptions of the interviews that Frank brings back. And every time I'm like, mm, I need to go make a salad or I just <laughs> find myself craving the foods that they're talking about. And they talk about how much tastier they are. And I feel like I'm missing out on something yeah. because I'm not growing my own organically and picking it the moment it's ready. But... So that, you meant, Anthony, you mentioned that we had two streams that Embrace was focusing on health and nutrition. So we've touched on nutrition, but I don't think we quite wrapped up the health. What are some of the challenges that prevent people from accessing this quality health care? There's a few different things. One would be the, the awareness. Awareness and tradition, I would probably group those together. Uh, the awareness is low in terms of what is needed mm -hmm. for, for adequate and, and proper health services. Mm -hmm. uh, and also just the tradition of mainly using either a health volunteer or a traditional birth attendant uh, in the village. Because these services up to this point have been low in quality, mm -hmm. uh, the motivation for some of the mothers to go and attend a health center to, to have her delivery has been non-existent. Why would you be motivated to go if you know you're not going to receive adequate care? Mm -hmm. That compounded with the distances and the geography of the region. Rwanda is known as the land of a thousand hills and, mm -hmm. and the district of Naibihu is no different. It's very elevated elevated in, in areas. So you, there's distances, not just in length, but also in elevation that mothers will have to overcome just to get to a health center for, for an antenatal checkup or something like mm -hmm. that. One of the doctors uh, that I spoke with there, he was telling me that one of the patients that came in one time, was a, it was a man who broke his leg and they asked him, how'd you break your leg? And he said, I fell out of my garden. What? His, wow. The garden is that hilly that yeah. he felt out of his garden and broke his leg. Wow. So that's the type of terrain that you're you're dealing with. And uh, we're talking about women with varying sizes of pregnant yes. bellies and balance. And I've had experience with that once so far and launched into my second. Um, <laughs> if they choose to go, are they walking to get there? How are they getting there? For checkups and for delivery. Before Adric came into the region, they they were almost exclusively walking or they would have to save for months and months to hire either a, a motorcycle or a taxi or, or often um, like a bicycle. Um, but trying to ride a, a rickety bike on a, a, a dirt road is not always an easy task. I'm so. imagining over this yes. kind of terrain as well. Yeah, with potholes and with with speed bumps and with cliff sides it's just it's it's quite a, a daunting task mm -hmm. in conjunction with with the villages and the and the community the adra was able to provide uh, adequate ambulances for a lot of the health centers we're working with that mm -hmm. are able to provide transportation so the way it has been set up is that the project will procure the ambulance with one year's worth of insurance mm -hmm. um, when and then it's delivered to the health center and then the community or the naibihu district you know whoever is in charge of a lot of of the health services in the region will then assume the responsibility of running and maintaining the ambulance and making it insured and things like that. So we provide the big ticket item and provide the ability to use it right away. And then in collaboration with the community, they're able to move forward and, and to use it in the foreseeable future, which is a very good like sustainability mechanism. Mm -hmm. it's, they're not reliant on us after we, after we provide the initial item. Mm -hmm. And something I noticed after the delivery of the first ambulance, up in the very high region, the government built, started building roads for the ambulance to drive on. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, they're not having to walk or drive their bike down a path. 
they now have roads, roads. Wow. for the ambulance to go mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Uh, so the second stream in Embrace would be the nutrition stream. So some of the activities that we would be conducting are our mother and child health groups to disseminate knowledge and also kitchen gardening and permaculture techniques, kitchen gardens that are able to provide nutritious vegetables and, and other sources of protein like beans and, and things like that outside of just the, the standard carbohydrate, rice and cassava and potato diet, uh, mm-hmm. which is pretty common in the region. So. Mm-hmm. So if the project is teaching them how to grow these different fruits and vegetables that maybe they've not encountered before, how do they know what to do with them? So the permaculture consultant that has been a part of the project will come in and do workshops and mm-hmm. not only teach them how to grow, but they'll also teach them uh, alongside with the nutritionist what their use is in mm-hmm. terms of their nutritional value. Uh, and they'll provide uh, startup kits for mm-hmm. the households which include spades and, and seeds and things like that so that they can actually get their kitchen garden going. Mm-hmm. And, and cooking demonstrations. Yeah, that's what I was driving at. Yes. <laughs> they, in fact, they built community kitchens in a lot of the villages. Mm-hmm. In conjunction with the community kitchen, there would also be a demonstration garden showing the permaculture techniques. Mm-hmm. So the people would gather in these community kitchens that Adra built and not only learn how to, to garden, but also how to cook the foods that they harvested. Mm -hmm. And it's a community event where people bring all of their babies and children, and after they learn how to cook, they have a nice feast. Mm. It's just a wonderful event. Yeah. And what do they think about these new foods? Do they like them? Is it just something to choke down because Adra says it's good for me? (laughs) No, a lot of people that I spoke to have been delighted to enjoy these new flavors, especially, they call it beetroot there. It's what we would normally call beets, right? Mm -hmm. And the sweetness of these beets. And uh, one family that I talked to, I asked them, well, what about the leaves? Do you eat the leaves? And he said, we never thought about eating the leaves, but one of the nutritionists recommended and suggested that we try the leaves. Mm -hmm. And once we did, we loved it. In fact, we like it almost more than the beets itself to have those leaves Mm -hmm. in with our other stuff. So... Now I need to try beetroot leaves. Yeah. I haven't tried yes. them yet. They're quite good. So uh, alongside the cooking demonstrations, as, as the communities are coming together, and as, as Frank mentioned, a lot of the mothers and, and fathers bring their children, um, they also conduct anthropometric measurements on the children, uh, which is to say they measure their height and weight and uh, their medium upper arm circumference, uh, which is a way to determine if a child is malnourished or Mm -hmm. undernourished or severely malnourished. So those activities are ongoing at the cooking demonstrations as well. Another program that they do alongside of the the childhood measurements is is a program called PD Hearth, which is just a a way to assess uh, the children's growth. It's a program that will start at day one and then you follow a certain program of feeding and then you do a baseline measurement and a follow-up measurement after the program and and you're able to uh, determine right away if this child is on track to to be released or or to recover from malnutrition Mm -hmm. yeah there was uh, a family that we we met when we were visiting that region and the lady's name was godens and she had eight children before adra came along she was essentially homeless and trying to just some subsistence existence and and trying to get enough to to feed the children her last two children were twins Mm -hmm. and one of them was very weak and she told us this child should be dead so you're standing there looking into the face of a child that's healthy but should have died Mm -hmm. but because Adra came along that child now is alive Mm -hmm. and she took us through so she had a kitchen garden 
And I mean, they had a, a cow, they had goat. There, there was a latrine built on their property by Adra. She also had a clean source of water mm-hmm. from Adra. And then she had her kitchen garden. I mean, this is on the side of a hill where most people wouldn't even think of trying to build something. It was really amazing to go through and see all the foods that she had and how healthy her family is now because of our involvement. But, you know, we were able to, and and kind of to what Anthony was talking about, with they would only eat one or two different types of food. That was it. Mm -hmm. Whereas now they've got that diversity, so they know the importance of having fruits and vegetables and getting some beans and lentils into the diet and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So it was uh, it was really interesting. She was so excited to meet us, to show us uh, th- what a difference we've made in her life and and to really tell us her story. It was uh, really heartwarming to that see that. That story really brings home, you know, the, the overarching aim of the project is to save the lives of mothers and children. And then yeah. here's a child that literally was saved by the yeah. project's efforts. That's amazing. Yeah, it gives you a different feeling when you stand there and you can yeah. look into those eyes. Instead of it being this vague concept or, yeah. you know, noble goal, this is concrete, mm-hmm. a real person who's yeah. living now today. Yeah, it is reality. Yeah, wow. Now, I understand that in addition to meeting this lady, while I was off doing some other interviews, you visited another lady who had a sudden increase in income. Yeah. Tell us about that. That was uh, Immaculate is her name and this lady she had uh, she's two children her husband had left her her business was so when you go over to to rwanda as you're driving through you'll see these little little shops on the side of the road and these little shops you can buy different things so she had her little shop set up it was kind of just like a little hut where she was selling data and so they're selling data, so phone oh, for, data. Oh, SIM card. Oh, okay. okay. So there, you typically don't have a have a cell phone plan like we have in Canada. You would go and load up your data when you start to run low. Mm. So that was her business. She had this on the side of the road. And she would make 20,000 Rwandan francs per month, which works out to about 20 U.S. dollars per month. We identified that she was a, an entrepreneur. And she showed interest in, in being able to, to grow a business. There is no chicken distributor in this area. And one of the pieces of uh, being able to get protein into the local diet was to be able to try to provide access to, to different types of, uh, of foods. And chicken was one of the, the, the foods that they, they eat there commonly. So we put her in touch with a supplier located in Kigali who would typically bring in the chickens and sell them at a certain price. Now what she does is she gets the chicks at only about uh, two days old. Mm -hmm. And she brings in a thousand a month and then she grows them for a month and sells them to the community. Right now she makes 650,000 Rwandan francs Hmm. per month. So can you imagine you, and this is in 10 months by the way. So think about if your income were able to go up by a multiple of 30 in 10 months what would that do to you a whole lot of good (laughs) yeah so when we went and visited her her home i got to go in and stand in amongst the the little chicks all running around and it was a neat experience she's already built an extension onto her home Mm -hmm. her life is changing for the good the beauty about this though is that she has hired three people in her neighborhood to work with her Mm. Those three people make 50,000 Rwandan franc wow. 
per month. So when you think she was running her own business at 20000 but now she's provided a source of income of 50000 per person for three people. But the story gets better than that because there's another building that's being constructed on her property. So she said, well, what is this? And she said, oh, this is my second incubator. So She's going to expand. She's expanding. So now she's going to have 2,000 chicks. 1.3 million Rwandan francs per month is her income. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, just has really transformed her life for the for the good. She's so happy for what Adra has been able to bring into her life mm-hmm. there. Yeah. yeah, not to mention her employees. Yeah. And maybe she'll need a few more. After and that's this a ex- that's a good expansion. point because I yeah. asked her that question. And she said, No, I'm gonna hire three more. Wow. So yeah. she's going to have in this little community, mm-hmm. she's gonna have six workers making more than she was making originally. Mm-hmm. Plus wow. her own income. That's, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you talking about cell phones and loading of data and all of that reminded me that there's another piece to this project. I believe it's called the peer learning platform. I hear it around the office a lot and really have no notion of what it is. So please help me out. What yeah, is this absolutely. about? Yeah, that's right. So it's called the peer learning platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so I'm, I'm actually the lead on it um, out of Edra Canada. And we have uh, a number of other stakeholders that are involved. But Essentially, what the peer learning platform is, or what we say as the PLP, um, it's it's a mobile e-learning application slash platform mm-hmm. um, designed on smartphones or tablets. Um, and the goal is to have uh, curriculums and courses on this platform mm-hmm. um, that are available offline, specifically offline. Mm-hmm. Um, and this platform and this and this curriculum is to be delivered to, uh, and is targeted at frontline health workers. Mm-hmm. So nurses, midwives, volunteers who have some type of formal education in health services. Um, and the, the curriculum is a nutrition curriculum, mm-hmm. um, and it's aimed at enhancing the knowledge among these health workers about nutrition so that they can disseminate this information to the beneficiaries of the project, both direct and indirect. Mm-hmm. So essentially, it's a piece of technology that we've been developing over the last several years to be available offline to disseminate nutrition knowledge among the districts and areas that we work in. Mm-hmm. Is this the first of its kind? Or is this something that's being done in other projects and we thought it was a good idea? No, it's never been done before. Um, not only has it not been done uh, in an ADRIC project, mm-hmm. um, it hasn't been done in Rwanda where it's currently being implemented in. Mm-hmm. Um, and during our preliminary literature review that we did uh, before diving into this this application development it actually is not done to the specifications that we're doing it uh, actually anywhere mm. um, which has which has been very uh, interesting to us uh, and interesting to the to the government in Rwanda as well because it, it brings a, a new piece of innovation mm-hmm. uh, to both our offices and and to the district that we're working in, mm-hmm. in who, who's our partner on that yeah. so we have a couple partners our technology partner is called chalkboard education and mm-hmm. they're a technology agency based out of Accra Ghana uh, in West Africa, and they are the ones who uh, have developed the platform, um, and they host the platform in their cloud servers, all that. And our other uh, partner, who's based out of Toronto, is the Sick Kids Center for Global Child Health. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So the Hospital for Sick Children um, has, of course, a very large hospital. It's one of the most renowned hospitals uh, in the country, if not the continent. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a humanitarian sector uh, in their hospital which is mm. called the center for global child health uh, and they work around the world with agencies like adra and and uh, other agencies and ngos to help 
alleviate or reduce the the burden and, and mortality rates of children. Mm-hmm. They are the curriculum experts. Um, the nutrition curriculum that we're currently using on the POP uh, is based off of uh, a, a curriculum that they had already implemented in in uh, in the region in Africa that we're working. Mm-hmm. Um, as part of the East, Central, and South African Health Conference. Mm-hmm. So they have implemented this uh, curriculum in other countries. So we were able to leverage this curriculum and adapt it and contextualize it to Rwanda specifically mm-hmm. to enhance and, and disseminate the, the nutrition knowledge, as, as mentioned already. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our partners on the ground in Rwanda, uh, of course, is Adra Rwanda. We've partnered with Adra Rwanda, not just on the POP, but on, on the entire project. Mm-hmm. Um, and recently in the last year, we've brought on um, uh, the last stakeholder of the, of the POP uh, initiative, which is the Adventist University of Central Africa, mm-hmm. uh, or AYUKA, as they, as they say for another acronym. It's a university that's based out of Kigali. Mm-hmm. And we were able to bring on the School of Medicine to not only host and facilitate some of these trainings both at their university but they've been able to provide cpds uh, or continuing professional development credits Mm -hmm. to all of the participants of the pop through their through their school of medicine um, which they are accredited through the nurses and midwives council association in in rwanda so Mm -hmm. if they don't have access to a smartphone or to a tablet are they still able to access this information and use it so the information and the platform is available on any type of uh uh, candy bar phone, as they call them, you mm. know, those old Nokia ones that mm. we used back in when mm. we were growing up. Um, but the project itself had uh, budgeted uh, and has delivered uh, a set number of devices to each of the health centers that we're working in. Okay. So so we were able to not only bring the platform to the health workers, but we were able to deliver devices that they can use as well. Mm-hmm. So. And how have, how have they received this information? The, you mentioned that the Rwandan government is interested, but what about the end user how do they feel about it are they actually using it yeah absolutely so we did a a handover back in september of Mm -hmm. 2019 and since then we've been able to track um, participation and and knowledge uptake for each of the users Uh, and we went back uh, in november of 2019 to conduct a focus group uh, with a lot of the participants. Um, and actually the feedback that we received was overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It, it surprised uh, a lot of us that not only had they been using it uh, steadily and uh, like not only did the analytics show that they maintained a high daily average and monthly average in, in usership, but the, the knowledge uptake that they conveyed to us was was very useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we were able to, during these focus group sessions, uh, get feedback from not just the health center director, but also the people actually using it, saying that um, they, they're, they're, they're using it on their way home. They're using it uh, at, during their night shifts when there's not a lot to do. Uh, some of them were even using it directly with patients. To, mm-hmm. It's been overwhelmingly positive uh, experience and has been very well received. Mm-hmm. So this project is really huge, actually. It's tackling the risks to the health and lives of mothers and babies through various avenues. You mentioned some partners for the the peer learning platform, but is it just ADRA doing the rest of this, or do we have some other partners on board? Absolutely. I mean, the, the Canadian government is a very big contributor to this project. Without the partnership of the Canadian government, we would not be able to uh, to implement the work that we're doing there. It's made a big uh, a big difference to uh, to us being able to to do this this work. Certainly, to the magnitude that we're we're able to do it uh, as well. So Embrace has been running now for a little over three years, 
And the three of you have made various trips to Rwanda to do follow-ups and to talk to the people involved in the project. So I'm just wondering, when you think back over the first time you went when the, at the beginning of the project and this last time that you went, have you seen any difference? Has any difference stood out to you as a result of this project being there? I, I think it's in the children the most. Mm -hmm. The first time I went, I noticed a lot of malnutrition. Mm -hmm. The last time I went near the end of the project, I couldn't see any malnourished babies. I couldn't see any malnourished children. Mm -hmm. it, was, it, was, it was remarkable, the change that had taken place. Mm -hmm. And that's what stood out for me. But I also saw a kind of a change in the landscape as well. I saw now fields filled with tree tomatoes mm -hmm. and goats on the road. You know, Adra had supplied goats. They'd supplied cows. And because of this pay-it-forward program where they spread it out into the community, I think I can say that at the end I saw a lot more goats on the road, mm -hmm. a lot more cows everywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, so those were the things that stood out for me. Mm -hmm. You get direct feedback from the beneficiaries that you visit um, mm -hmm. and you see, you know, you see the smiles on their faces and they communicate to you that the project has directly helped them, whether mm -hmm. it's increased their income uh, by way of a crop, whether it's had a better positive experience at a health center due to the, to the increased quality of services. One particular woman that stands out uh, uh, that I'll never forget is, is in June of 2019 when we did uh, ambulance handover mm -hmm. um, and the entire community came. There must have been 300 people at this handover ceremony. Uh, and there were a few mothers that came up to do a bit of a, a story about how this ambulance has impacted them. And, and one woman uh, communicated that uh, early on in the project when there wasn't an ambulance, she actually lost a child on her way to the health center. And since the ambulance had been handed over and the new maternity ward had been constructed, she was able to receive transportation to the newly equipped uh, health center and and to deliver a very healthy baby. Mm. And she, I mean, she was she was breaking down in tears during this. And and I mean, it was a very touching story. Mm -hmm. So I had the opportunity of interviewing a lady who had just recently given birth in the birthing facility that Adra had built there with the Canadian government help. And I was delighted to hear what she had to say. She said it was it was so beautiful it was like i had given birth in canada <laughs> <laughs> wow i mean for me i've only visited there once mm -hmm. but when i listen to the stories of what the conditions were like before mm -hmm. i went there compared to what i actually witnessed it's like i was visiting a completely different place mm -hmm. being able to visit all the different gardens and and the, the different homes of people that that's what uh, really shows me you know, we are making a difference in people's lives because when they tell me what their lives were like before mm -hmm. it's you don't have to look very far to be able to see that hey we have changed mm -hmm. the lives of people here that's wonderful well, i guess that's all the time we have gentlemen thank you so much for sharing with us about the embrace project and the lives that are being changed to thanks to the support of our partners and the Canadian government and our supporters as well. Thank you for spending this time with us to learn about the work of ADRA. We invite you to our website, adra.ca, to see more photos and videos of what we've been dis discussing. You can also go to YouTube and Vimeo and look for ADRA Canada or ADRA Insider and subscribe to this video podcast. Mm -hmm. Share us with your friends and family. And um, if you're driving and you're listening to us, you can always catch us on your favorite place to pick up your podcasts. Thank you very much. Yes. Goodbye. <laughs>